0: We are in the book of Numbers, chapter 16. We're going to read the introduction to an episode, and then we're going to read another episode of what happened to God's people in the wilderness. That's what the book of Numbers is all about. So let's hear now the word of the Lord, number 16. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, Nathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the sons of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. These assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he said to Korah and to all the company, In the morning the Lord will show who he is and who is holy and will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses, he will bring near to him and then we move over to the next chapter to another incident which happened shortly after this one the Lord came to Moses saying speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs one for each father's house from all the chiefs according to their father's houses twelve staffs write each man's name on his staff write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi for there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet you, and the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief according to his father's house, twelve staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony and behold, the staff of Aaron and the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to the people of Israel. And they looked and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony To be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end to their grumblings against me, lest they die. Thus did Moses as the Lord commanded him, so he did. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We are undone. We are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? The answer to that question is yes. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. Two different episodes here and this of course does not begin the strain that we're familiar with. This entire book has been Story after story of God's people in the wilderness under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And they are, on many occasions and in various ways and reasons, provoking the Lord. They are testing him, they are pushing him to the brink. In fact, he does come to the brink. On a couple of occasions, the Lord says, I tell you what I will do, I will just wipe out this whole nation, and I'll start over with you, Moses. And Moses pleaded for the people, and as the good priests that he and Aaron were, they pled for the people, and the Lord had mercy. They reminded the Lord that the covenant was with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he needed to fulfill his covenant. And God said, I'm a covenant-keeping God, and I'm gracious, and I'm slow to anger. And so as they began to know the Lord, they began to mediate for the people before the lord and the lord spared them time again you remember let me just review a few of them back in chapter four which we didn't look at the people had a strong craving a strong craving and the lord ended up wiping out the people that were uh, complaining and grumbling and and saying to moses we'd rather died in egypt it was better in egypt than it is out here in the wilderness Why did you bring us to this land? You told us you were bringing us to a land of milk and honey, and here we are in the desert. And the Bible says that a great plague came and killed them, those that were complaining, and to the others, the Lord performed a miracle of salvation. He sent from the sea a great breeze that brought in a huge flock of quail, and that quail served as a meat to go along with the manna and to uh, satiate the people of God. In chapter 11, there's a story about, and I like the way the ESV says it, usually I'm going back and talking about the way I like the King James Version saying something, I like the words that's used here by the translators, the rabble, the rabble. You know every church has a rabble, you you just have to pay attention for a while and find out who they are. The rabble, and he defined them, those who dwell on the outlying, the people that are on the edges of the camp. They're the people that are the furthest away from God's presence in the tabernacle. They're the people that are furthest away from the leadership that surrounds the tabernacle, the the tribe of Levi and all of his three sons and Moses and all of them are there. They're further out from even their own kinfolks. What's worse is they're the ones that are the nearest to the pagans. They're the nearest to the world. They're the nearest to the Canaanites and all of the godless people around, and they're under their influence. These are the outliers. That's the rabble. And it's the rabble that brings up the complaining against Moses in chapter 11. In chapter 12, another one we didn't look at, but it's Aaron and Miriam. Aaron, of course, is Moses' brother, who now is the designated priest for the nation uh, as we learn today by God's choosing and Moses the leader and the younger sister along with Aaron decide that they have as much going for them spiritually as Moses does they had looked at Moses they said you know I remember when he was nothing but a snot-nosed baby in a, in a, in a basket in the bulrushes and here he is lording over all these people and leading we have as much capacity in fact Miriam says I'm of the older one and I've got great insight and nurturing capacity the Lord speaks to me the Lord inspires me I need a women's ministry and I need to serve all the people the men and the women and Aaron says well I'm the one with all the gifts I'm the one that does the talking I'm the one that has the gifts up front so what do Why do we hate Moses? And they they led among themselves a confrontation with Moses. And by the time the Lord got through with them, Miriam had leprosy and Aaron was a quivering mass of insecurity. The Lord dealt with them on that occasion. And then uh, on another occasion, we saw this last week, they went to spy out the land and the report came back and you know the story we went all over it last week about the minority report the majority report and they decided then lack of faith that they would not go up into canaan and possess it the way the lord said he had given it to them because they just didn't think they could win the battles they didn't think they could conquest they needed a little more experience they needed a little more uh good attend a few more church services a few more apologetics lectures before they could really go and do the things that the lord had called them to do and so they They rebelled against the Lord and it wasn't so much that they refused to go in. That was bad enough. But what was even worse, you remember, they said, let us choose a leader who will lead us back to Egypt. That's apostasy. That's deconstruction. That's departing the faith. That's turning back. A rebellion often is led by people who really care who want to reform, who like it the way that it is, but they feel like it needs to be better. And a rebellion can be of a good sort or it could be of a meaner sort, but it's still people who care about that particular leadership and that particular structure and that organization and the direction and the goals. And so they they lead this little movement to kind of rectify some things and reform some things. And it forms a, a rebellion of sorts. And that's bad enough, but an apostasy is when you turn your back and walk away and go back. So God's people are continually provoking him. And then in 14, we find that the Lord said he was going to, after they had, had failed him at Kadesh Barnea and entered into the land with the, the uh, spies report. In chapter 14, the Lord said, uh, You're going to all die in the wilderness. And he decided then the Lord told Moses to tell the people that they themselves, those people that were standing on their two feet and doing everything they were doing then would not be the generation that would enter the land. There'd be another generation, which means they had 35 or six or seven or eight, whatever years under 40 it was left to be led and wandering through the wilderness before they ever once again came back to the point Of entry into the land of Canaan. And now we come to chapter 15 and we have a formal rebellion. Let's just look at a few things about it. Number one, it was led by a guy named Korah. He's referred to in the New Testament as having led a rebellion. The book of Jude talks about the way of Cain, the rebellion of Korah. It talks about the error of Balaam. These are three outstanding Old Testament examples, which we won't go into all of them, but they're they're ways of apostasy, unbelief, turning back, turning aside, opposing God and his gospel and his Christ. And so we are warned, even in the New Testament, not to be like these guys. And this is one of them here. The rebellion of Korah, it was a large rebellion, they, these people that are named are principally the sons of Levi, which means that they are kinsmen to uh, Aaron and Moses, because they're descended from Levi as well. That's the tribe that the Lord would designate to be the priestly tribe, the tribe and the Levites, the the, the people there. So the tribe of Levi was uh, had they felt more than one capable leader, and this Korah. And notice what he did. He he. Uh, and he was joined, by the way, by the sons of Reuben, who, by the way, were the tribe that camped closest to the Levites on that side of the camp. They were, they were their near neighbors. They were also pretty close tribes growing up. You remember the first four sons of Jacob were born to Leah, and Simeon was the oldest, and then they went down Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Those were the four sons of Joseph and Leah, which formed the first uh, four patriarchs of the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob. So they've always been close, like Judah and Benjamin were always close. Um, Asher and Gad were close. If you study the confederation of tribes over the Old Testament, you'll see how certain ones kind of stood together. Um, Dan and half-tribe of Manasseh. I'll stop. (laughs) Mainly I'm stopping because I don't remember the rest of them. Um, So they they select and notice how it's done it's from the congregation they choose from the assembly well known men a little democracy in action they took personalities they took well known leaders of the clans and the tribes and they put them together and they started a rebellion a pretty good company for Moses to face a fellow Levite And his cohorts, some men from Reuben, and probably well known men to to Moses, and these men were uh, chosen by the people. And this was the accusation they made against Moses and Aaron. He said, You have gone too far. It was we've had enough of your leadership, you have taken us beyond the point of competency. You have been acting on the Peter principle. You've been promoted beyond your capacity. And so they brought these accusations to Moses and said, for all the congregation are holy. And if you'd have seen Aaron a few months back leading the worship service down around the Golden Calf, you wouldn't have been impressed with his holiness any more than you would have your next door neighbor there in Levite land. And God had consecrated the people and called them to holiness. So the people have a status equal. There's no one more outstanding than any other in our company. We, are, we, we have a good policy of equity in this tribe. And we expect it to be implemented in the government. And so that's what we are looking for. We're looking for people who have been chosen by the people... And come out of a congregation that is holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is among them. In other words, they're just as spiritually qualified as you. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? And Moses basically, as he often does, his meekness and his humility calls him. And often he just, instead of being defiant and lording it over them, he simply falls on his face before the Lord. Uh, Moses and the Lord had uh, their own conversations going through this whole time. It's unbelievable what the Lord dealt with and how he propped up and held and ministered to Moses when when Moses went through an enormous enormous amount of of trouble. One of the the chapters that we haven't looked at is when when he bears this burden he can't handle by himself. And the Lord uh, gives him support. And they uh, select elders from the people. But he falls upon his face before the Lord and he says to Korah and the company, in the morning the Lord will show who he is and who is holy and will bring him near to him. Notice tomorrow we'll let the Lord demonstrate who ought to be the high priest of Israel. Because that's really the crisis. It's a crisis in the priesthood. It's not just Moses' leadership. It's who's the priest. Notice the spiritual terms that are dealt with. The Lord is with them. They're holy. This is the spiritual leadership of the people, not just the the, the governmental leadership or the, uh, the uh, leadership that Moses gave in so many ways, this was the spiritual leadership. this was a rebellion against god 's choice of Aaron or, or as they thought Moses' choice of Aaron and what kind of nepotism is it when you 're given an assignment to get your brother to join up in the company with you at the top of the company and this is what they were accused of. see Moses always had trouble back. Way back when he killed the Egyptian, do you remember? When he saw the Egyptian abusing one of his brothers, he he killed the Egyptian and the next day he went back and one of the Jews said to Moses, who are you to rule over us? This, This people have, from the very beginning, they've all had their doubts about Moses and his leadership. This time it's Aaron. Now, I'm out of time, so I won't tell you the rest of the story. You got a homework assignment. Read the rest of chapter 16. And it's long, and it's involved, and you're going to find God judging the people, and you're going to find the, the people being pleaded with by the Lord to get away from this group of rebels, Korah and his cohorts, and these 250 chiefs of the clans of Israel, get away from them. Twice the Lord has to warn them because what he does is he opens up the earth and they're swallowed up whole. They go into Sheol alive, into the heart of the earth. They're buried alive, literally. And anybody that was near them slid into the big chasm. So the Lord had separated the people to get back. And this causes the people once again to be humbled, and, and they're judged. And then they take the, uh, the censers that had been used by these 250 uh, men that were with Kor- Korah, and they took those censers, which were made out of precious metals, maybe even gold, and they beat them into a big cover that they used to cover over the altar. It was probably a second covering that went over the whole altar, which had, of course, the cherubim, the mercy seat, that over the Ark of the Covenant, which provided a protection, a hedge against anybody approaching God. Because these people who tried to come and approach God and to assume the spiritual leadership were dealt with by God now oh and then then the big they take those censers and start a fire and there's a big fire and now the fire comes a plague and it was only Aaron rushing in with his censer in the middle of it all that stood between the fiery plague and the people that spared them Uh, I don't know if they put this in the 10 commandments or not there's a lot of drama in the uh, uh, a lot of good movie making in the scenes in the old testament I'll tell you that but let's look just for a moment here at this, this one that happened in 17. This is now a direct crisis of spiritual leadership. They're directly disputing Moses, and the Lord brings the test, tells Moses what to do. Let each tribe, the 12 tribes, bring their leader and have their leader, someone representative as one of the clans, to put a staff. And Moses takes the 12 staffs, the, just a regular staff, and puts them before the Lord overnight. And the next morning when he goes in to the tent of meeting, the staffs were unaffected, all of them except one. And that was the staff of Levi. And it was not only had been changed, but it had been sprouted and and caused to bud and to bloom and to bear fruit. And that's highly symbolic of the touch of the spirit of God upon something and it's likely that the white blossoms of the almond bud lily white pure white were symbols of the purity and the holiness that God demands and so the significant thing there when you see the the thing is 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 what was said and the people said to Moses behold we perish we are undone and he says, are we all to perish? There was this final horrible conviction came upon them when they realized the nature of their rebellion and what they had done. They realized that they had committed virtually an impardonable sin. And they knew they stood in the judgment of the Lord. Now there was a Hebrews passage there in your, in your bulletin that I didn't read. And the reason I didn't is because I have selected one just a few Uh, Chapters earlier than that one and by way of application and I'm going to read a couple of uh, paragraphs of this particular uh, Hebrews chapter 3 by way of application because this this particular chapter applies directly to the provocation that we just read about. Therefore, this is the writer of Hebrews exhorting the Christians here now this word. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the true chosen high priest, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as servants, To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, we the church, we the Christians, are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, Korah's rebellion and the others, on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation. And they said they will always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Are we all going to die in our sins? Yes. Yes. That's exactly where we're determined to die. That's where our choices of leadership, our choices of life, our choices of living, our choices of serving, that's where they leave us. We're so helpless and depraved in our soul that that is our destiny. We will not, not survive it. You won't survive this life into the next life without eternal life. And this life is in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And listen, so so now the admonition, bear with me just a couple of minutes. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. That's falling away. That's that apostasy. That says we'll choose a leader and go back. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? This is the story we just saw this morning. Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Now, as it was those who had sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief don't let your heart that is hard don't let your heart that's in rebellion don't let your heart that is that is this the very theater and arena of sin and your disobedience cause you to miss how Shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The only way to go to an eternity of punishment and perdition is to trample over the blood of Christ. Why will you die, O Israel? I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, says the Lord. Come to Christ. Come for salvation. Hear Him. Receive Him. Embrace Him. Look upon Him. Believe in Him. Trust Him. Follow Him. All the way through death's door into eternal life. Come. And, and the day of salvation is only one day in Scripture. Today. Today. Don't let the sun go down tonight unless you know how your soul is with God. Is it well with your soul?